Hey everybody, welcome to a special playoff preview edition of the USL show brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, your home for uh, men's national team, women's national team, USL, MLS Scarves, uh, as well as scarves for your own personal use for fundraiser. Check those guys out, roughneckscarves.com. We're also brought to you and produced by and uploaded by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, which we are very proud to be a, a big part of. Um, thanks to Mike Sparks for uploading and, and all that stuff every week. Check those guys out, bgm.fm. Um, and feel free to check us out. Uh, we live stream every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So if you listen to this on the download and want to like, you know, actually listen to it in real time or want to get your thoughts out, definitely check us out on YouTube, youtube.com backslash the USL show. Um, anyway, it's a little later than we wanted it to be, but thus is the soccer world, I suppose. I'm your host, Evan Valella, joined by a couple of my soccer friends. Uh, First, if the USL had an equestrian, he would be our Rainbow Dash. If he hates your team, uh, or if you think he hates your team, it's one, because you're right, and two, it's because he has the stats to back it up, uh, making his triumphant return. Pony? Hey, it's playoff season, and I'm loving it. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I, we didn't get to... No, you were there. Never mind. I was going to say we didn't get to congratulate you on making the postseason, but you were on the show, so it's, it's, it's good. Uh, also, it's the man that puts the show on show notes. He is our, our resonant stat robot, our no longer international international cor- correspondent, Ryan Allen. Oh, it's good to be back. It finally dropped below 50 here in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. It's the first time I've had to wear jeans in Scotland. Good. good. I, I, I like changing seasons. That's my favorite part. Uh, also joining us, you might have heard him before on basically any USL broadcast of merit um, or a lot of college soccer or some CONCACAF stuff. I'll just stop begging him up because he doesn't like it. But it's uh, the voice of USL, Mike Watts. Mike, welcome back. Uh, are you so excited to tell us that we're wrong again? Yeah, first off, I loved it. Uh, you can go on as long as you want. That was great. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm no, good to go. Uh, now that I know you like it, I'll, right. just, I'll just stop. It's fine. But, uh, Mike, we figure, you know, uh, unfortunately, we don't get to hear you on the airways uh, in a in a radio capacity anymore. Uh, before we get into the playoffs, do you have any kind of just overarching thoughts on the season that was in USL? Yeah, um Boy, this was this was as competitive as it's ever been. Um, I think the East caught up a little bit with the West um, in terms of um, sort of the the top tier. I think is is the top tier of the league. I think last year you could have argued that Real Monarchs, um, you know, Phoenix towards the end of last year was maybe the best team in the league. I mean, and then and I think top to bottom in the West there was a little bad or competition level mm-hmm. um a lot of teams raise their game um <laughs> hey that's um, and a- i know I, yeah yeah for sure so um no i mean it was just a lot of fun I, I enjoyed this year a lot um i've covered the league for three years and this will be my fourth final this year and um i feel like every year the standard of play is, is improved so yeah. you know excited for the playoffs and it, it, not to make it about next year but especially with the you know eight million new teams and the rebrand and you know um espn plus kind of blowing up a little bit and all the new leagues that they got and and all that stuff it's been really um bizarre (laughs) to see it to see it grow to what it is Um, yeah i mean look if you think about what it was in 2011 this is like a frankenstein monster version but the other side is you know, look, it, it, the, the broadcast deal they put together um, is on the biggest platform that I, I think the USL could be on. And then all the local networks, you know, I'm calling Louisville's game against Indy on ESPN Plus and then WBNA um, locally, you know, basic cable in, in Louisville. And the idea of that five years ago is crazy. And, and to take it a step further, you know, for every Orlando city that, that's been through and, and now Cincinnati, um, and eventually Nashville, um, there's always been the next one to take its place. So, right. you know, I just can't wait to see how they all step forward. Seriously. Uh, guys, Eastern Conference or Western Conference first? Flip a coin. Sure. I don't have... Who has coins? I don't have a coin. 
I have a talking jacks pin. I'll flip that. It's not weighted the same. Uh, and a cheap plug for our friends, but um, it landed uh, graphic side down, which means Western Conference. I didn't actually specify that, but we're going for it. Uh, so we'll start with the West. Um, are we doing... Uh, I guess we'll just start 1-8 one, one and then go from there. Um, so Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Orange County, uh, the one seed versus St. Louis, the eight. Uh, this season, 1-1 one, one draw, 2-2 two, two draw. Uh, Thomas and Evoldson, 20 goals in the season, leads the scoring for Orange County. And uh, Kyle Gregg with 13 for St. Louis, who I think is questionable. He was out in their last match of Wolf Hole. was yeah. out for their past two. Yeah, so uh, a, a, a tough task for St. Louis. It would have been a tough task for anyone, really. Um, guys, I guess you're thoughts on this one well i think this might be where we finally break the first seed curse out west where they've been losing every single time i think it was sacramento's lost to orange county orange county lost to los dos then last year real monarchs lost to sacramento but i think the injuries to st louis is if both those following greek are out i can't see them beating orange county even though they did okay mm-hmm. against them throughout the year if you're missing your two best attacking players or arguably your two best attacking players against mm-hmm. the first seed, that's a very bad hole to have dug yourself into before the game even started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, St. Louis is, is very firmly in happy to be here territory. I think, especially if you look at their last two years where, um, you know, I think 2016, they were close-ish in the Western Conference that I know for a fact. Last year, they were in the ninth seed um, or had a chance to to win and get in on the last day of the season and now to actually get in uh, ahead of, you know, maybe moving conferences again. Um, Phil, for sure, is especially happy to be in, and, and I think those guys in general and just especially with, you know, Pulis at the helm, um, it's a bit of validation. I, I don't think that there's you know, a more than 10% chance they win, but that's, uh, that's all you need in the playoffs, I suppose. Well, with OC hosting this one, they've had 11 of their 20 wins this year being victories at home. And it makes them, it's a very tough team to try and go up against, go into Orange County and face. And it's just, for me, it's hard to see St. Louis getting past Orange County in this round. I mean, it's not impossible. Orange County's looked a little bit shifty on defense recently. In their last four games, they allowed two, three, one, and three goals. So yeah. St. Louis is starting both their strikers. I don't know. This is one of those teams that's all pending on health, I think. But if St. Louis is healthy, they're far better than 10% chance. It might be, might be 60-40 Orange County if I, St. Louis is full force. Yeah. Mike, you've seen both these teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing about Orange County that I like um, is their midfield. Um, but I kind of think, you know, midfield is, is pretty well set for St. Louis, too. I think they'll sit in a low block and do a lot of the things that Anthony Poulos' teams do. Um, they're a much better matchup than anybody else in the top four, in my mind, for, for mm-hmm. St. Louis. I'd rather face Orange County the way they play, right? Right, right. Than- Mano or Phoenix or Al Monarch. So I almost think they got gifted the one eight game to an extent. I know Orange mm-hmm. County fans won't care for that that opinion because <laughs> for reason. But in terms of matchups, Herzog needs to score. You know, yeah. like if you're be down wall fall in the midfield, which is a giant loss, especially against Orange County's stacked midfield. And even if he is healthy, I Chris Duke is a really tough out. Um and if you potentially are missing your, your leading scorer and Kyle Gregg, who I think is largely the basis of, of what's given to him, which will be tough based on how midfield play is. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think Orange County goes through, which is because I think St. Louis, if they're healthy all year, could have been a five or a six seed, not an eight. And maybe things are different. Yeah, and look yeah. at Orange County's defense. They've only had one shutout in the last 14 games. So... If St. Louis get on the board early, they have a chance, but I'm not sure who scores. Mm. 
I still think it's fascinating that Aiden Quinn can be under the radar <laughs> putting yeah. together what fourteen assists or something. Yeah, it still I mean, confuses Ledesma, me to see. Yeah. Yeah, Ledesma sat on fifteen for the last month and everyone's like, Oh, fifteen assists, like league record. <laughs> and there was like two or three guys that are like right behind. Like I, you know, it was it was because I know, like I remember, I want to say like maybe late spring or something. We were we were talking about him, Aiden Quinn, in some capacity on the show. Um, I like forgot about him for two months, and then I just looked at the assist leaders to like this this afternoon, and I was like, oh yeah, Aiden Quinn's like really good still. Um, so I, I just, I felt bad immediately. I'm like, that's right. He's like a phenomenal midfielder. Um, so, I mean, look for him to have an impact in the playoffs for sure. Cause that's a guy where he doesn't nearly get enough credit for what he does, not only with orange County, but in, in the league as a whole, when he's been here, um, Saturday, 10 32 versus seven sack Republic versus Swope park. Uh, Pony is a resident Sacramentian. What do they call you people out there? Sacra. Anguish sports fans. Sacramento. Yeah, whatever. We're not Cleveland or Cincinnati's bad history, but we've had one good sports here in the last 30 years. Yeah. Well, the Kings had that one season. We don't like to talk about that season because of how it ended. Well, but but before it ended, it was really good. Yeah, but it's all to the how U.S. Kind of NBA fi- NBA Western Conference Finals 2003 edition. Hope you enjoyed. Um, yeah, Pony, what's what's up with this one? I think it's a good matchup, but with the USL two teams like Swope Park, it depends who gets loaned down. Hmm. If Swope Park sends down all their ringers who they could technically send down, it could be pretty ugly because. We've seen what Swope Park did the last few years. They won the West back-to-back seasons. And I'm a little afraid of that happening because Sacramento sports, we've learned to be disappointed. But I think at the same time, they Sacramento has a lot of the parts. The I think their MVP is still far and away for Keeper Cohen, who I think absolutely needs to be in the top two or three keepers for voting of the season. If he's not up there, I'm kind of shocked. But the defense at times is still shaky. There's a lot of mistakes. I think they advanced this round, but Swope Park, if Swope Park is actually healthy and Swope Park sends down their top players, I'm nervous. I'm optimistic, but nervous. It seems like a two out of three Sacramento advances, but they easily could go home against Swope Park back-to-back seasons. Well, just going or looking through the um, uh, Swope Park schedule throughout the season, their last eight matches against teams who ended up in the playoffs, they didn't win any of them. They have to go all the way back to June 13th, a 3-2 result over Real Monarchs to find their last win over a playoff team, which makes it seem like this isn't the Swope Park team of years past because they're not a force. They're not as good as what they – or currently, and it makes me seem more inclined that Sacramento will grind out the victory here, especially considering being in those kind of eight per- or those period of eight losses that Sacramento beats Will Park 3 1. Yeah, they have, have played Swill Park well this season. But I mean, also look at Swill Park has scored a goal in 10 straight games. And that offense, when they click, is one of the better offenses in the West, probably. Yeah, especially with uh, Haji Berry at the helm, who has 17 goals, same as uh, Cameron Iwasa of Sacramento, also at 17, both leading their team. Mike, I'll, I'll defer to you. <laughs> um, yeah, de- deferring your time to the human shield. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, Swope again drastically led the league in passing what this is three straight years where they've done something of that sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they struggled with the small surface in Louisville. They struggled with the specter of Red Bulls and, and sort of the press that they gave specter. Um, oh, don't give me that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I just, um, 
I think Sacramento goes through. I, I, I think um, in terms of ringers, I don't know that Swope really has ringers necessarily. I mean, there's some good players that, that are sort of tweeners, but I don't look at them as like, you know, here comes, you know, like the, the knight in shining armor necessarily. So, you know, I, I think this is a game where Sacramento moves forward. I think they're pretty similar teams, which mm. makes it a fun match. Um, I think home field plays a big role too. I think Sacramento's through. Yeah, the the ringer for Swope Park, and it's 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 tricky because each MLS side that has a USL team is a little different in terms of you know who they send down and what positions. Uh, in in terms of ringers, which you know is like, all right, we're in the depth chart. Are they deep, and where do I think they can send that guy? Haji Berry would have been their ringer, and he's just been there. Um, yeah, I think he's an outstanding talent. Um, and it's nice to see him be able to develop and put in 17 for Swope Park and, you know, maybe be able to, I, I think there's something to be said about a guy like him getting a full year just to play games and not have to worry about, okay, well, where am I going to be next week or whatever? Um, so, you know, I mean, if he gets really hot, that could be a problem for Sacramento, but I, I don't know. Again, I, I, I think Sacramento's comfortable here. Uh, the three to six, it was so nice that Phoenix decided to make it so that we saw it again uh, this weekend, even though we just saw it. Uh, Phoenix Rising, the third seed against Portland Timbers, two is the six. Um, pro- probably Drogba again, so thanks for that, home field. Um, yeah, this, this, this is entering, you know, maybe potential upset, maybe, but probably not territory here. Yeah, this one to me depends on is Phoenix healthy. If Phoenix is healthy, I think they win. They don't only win this game, they win the entire West. But the question is, are they healthy? Mm. Because if they have Asante, they have Cortez, they have Drogba, and those three players play in every single game, I can't see any team actually beating Phoenix out West. They are that good when those three players are playing. But if Cortez is hurt, if Asante is not 100%, if Drogba isn't playing, they're probably slip at some point. It's just the, Phoenix is the biggest question mark to me in the entire league mm-hmm. because it all comes down to if their elite players are in, 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 in shape to play. I don't like saying it's – I don't like blaming things on injuries, but if Phoenix doesn't have a good postseason run – I think you blame injuries in the end because that's really the only way I see them failing to win the West. Well, if you look at the matches they had down in the stretch, their final three of the season in October with a no-no result against Reno, a 5-2 loss to Las Vegas, and a 1-0 loss to Portland. And, and it just, with Portland scoring late in the 85th minute, and it just seemed like it was more like just odd fixtures that didn't really emulate how they played in the season up to this point. But I definitely agree with you, Pony, that it, all hinges on if they're healthy for this match. And if they are, they not only get by Portland, they do it rather easily. And I can see them marching all the way to the final. Yeah, I think the Vegas game's an, an anomaly. There should have been Vegas players sent off in that game. Cortez went off early with the injury. I don't think Drug would play. Asante didn't play. And playing in Vegas is, Vegas is never easy. But I, I, I still trust Phoenix to make a run if they are full if they field the roster they want to be able to field if they go 100% strength they should blow by Portland and probably the rest of the west imagine if Drago wins the USL cup on his way out that would be fun like off a free kick too, <laughs> like like he just kind of carries them. I don't know. I won't get too fever dreamy on this one. Um, in terms of where I'm at, um, it, like the the fever dream for I think the league is you want to see <laughs> in its finale against Cincinnati right. and five thousand people. Like I think, and, and I, like I'm not with these people. 
sits here. Oh yeah, you know the the league. Like it, nothing's rigged. Like I'm not sitting here saying. Yeah, it. Mike, you trying to freeze some envelopes or whatever the USL playoff equivalent of rigging a lottery draft would be? Is that is that what I'm hearing? That's um. But the shadow you know, government of USL have now canceled this podcast. So the one thing <laughs> it's been fun. I don't think Drogba in his present iteration necessarily makes Phoenix better. And I know that sounds crazy, oh, but they move so fast without him mm, that, you yeah. know, he is so technically gifted that it makes up for being 40. I get that, but he hadn't <laughs> right. played in three and a half months. That's a long time. And they were doing okay. Totally. They they were taking names in the West. I mean, they they were in position to take the number one seed in the West. And I'm not saying the reason they didn't get it was because Drogba showed up by any stretch. But I I do just sort of want to leave open the fact that, you know, Cortez is one of the league's leading goal scorers. And either you need to drop him into a number 10 role or you need Drogba sit, you know, in behind, which isn't necessarily the role that best fits him. You know, like I don't that they all work together. And you know, again, I don't think that's a shot at Drogba. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that stands out is they went to Las Vegas two or three matches, something after Rick Schantz took over from Patrice midseason. And Rick told us that week, he goes, hell or high water, we are going to get a shutout. I don't care if we walk out of there 0-0. Zero, zero. I don't care. They ended up winning one nothing or 2 nothing, But it made that 5-2 game a little more shocking because they went there earlier with the express plan of we're going to put out a roster and we're going to go get a win. And then they didn't do it this time. And that's a little iffy to me. Yeah. I, I think they'll get through. It just I've got questions. Fair enough. Uh, the four and the five, and and I think one that at least Pony is a little concerned about for Monarchs. Uh, Real Monarchs SLC, the four seed uh, against Reno. That's Saturday, five. Uh, I should have mentioned Phoenix and Portland actually kick things off tomorrow night at 1030 Eastern. If I was an actual good plug for the league, I would have done that, but... Here I am. Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, which is a, a bit of an early kickoff. But Real Monarchs host Reno. Uh, Pony, since I mentioned you might be a little concerned about this, what's the uh, concern? My concern is about the other four or five game. I actually think Monarchs win this one. <laughs> or I could be wrong. Whatever. I was just trying to build up suspense hey. and it failed. It happens. I have things to say about high-seeded teams, but the Monarchs, <laughs> I think, are good. <laughs> Not that team. Other seeded teams. And I like them too. That monarchs are good. Like, like you were asking <laughs> us and not telling us. I mean, it's one of those where the monarchs are confusing. They were a team yeah. both last two seasons. The first half of the year have looked like the best team, arguably in the entire league. Mm-hmm. Then they drop off. We have Reno, who is they. They are good. But, I mean, last year we saw their playoff issue where they dropped out first round. And on the road, they haven't been quite as good. And the Monarchs at home are a solid team. I'm kind of banking on a mix of the Monarchs playing at least to their midseason level. Hmm. Plus Reno having a little bit of a road struggle. Monarchs are good at home. I think the Monarchs get through this one. Even we saw last year when they fell apart as the first seed. They still took Sacramento all the way to penalty kicks. I think that's uh, almost a worst-case scenario again for them is losing in penalty kicks or losing some very close 1-0 game. I think this is actually going to be a pretty high-scoring affair, but we'll see how it all shakes out. But I think I have the Monarchs, but it's a close one. The weird thing is I do think the order of this game has a really good chance of making it to the finals because I don't think Orange County matches up too well against offenses, especially over the last month, two months, Orange County's looked a little bit shaky on the back end. So I think this is a, whoever wins this game has a far better chance than most teams would to get to the finals. With me, I think our Real Monarchs have only lost twice at home all year. But I want to echo that I think Reno has a good chance at pulling off the upset here, per the UO ratings that I published on Wednesday, hey, they were the closest matchup of any of the first-round matches. 
with Real Monarchs just being a slight favorite. In fact, you know, has a higher ELO rating, but Monarchs were just favored due to being at that home field advantage. So I'm at least going to side with Reno on uh, this and take the upset pick. But I do agree with you, Pony, that they don't have, or that Orange County doesn't have as fair a matchup in that second round. They lost to Real Monarchs 2-1 earlier in the year. They had a 2-2 result against Reno earlier in the season, and they lost 3-1 to close out the year. So it's a good upset pick that either side can make it pass. Yeah, I think, well, one of the problems with ELO is attempted to award blowouts, which Reno is good at doing at times. But I think this is probably the closest game of the entire first round for any conference to me. Mike, where are you up? I'm, I'm up. Okay. I, I, yeah. I never this is It's sad. okay. It's all right. Listen, the Western Conference, not my not my forte. Um, and I, I figure, you know, a guy who um, in some capacity gets paid to, to watch, you know, everybody. Oh, yeah. It's a little easier, you know. Yeah. Um, Reno on the road this year is only lost twice and that doesn't mean they've won a lot um it just means they haven't lost so the the funny thing to me is a lot of people say oh look at Real monarchs look at how high up they play reno feels the same way about their situation altitude wise as colorado springs and and Real monarchs Mm. so i throw that whole storyline out the window and i think that's the biggest downside of what Real monarchs did the last two months i don't think it's a hummus and a lave problem i don't think it's a uh, you know, locker room problem that that streak where they just couldn't get a win. Um, I, I think they started to get some guys back, and you got to start mixing them in. And the Sebastian Lasseter, duh, of course. Um, I think he's the best number ten in the league when he's healthy, or top three or four. Um, the way this year played out. Um, so you know, it, it's um a game where I'm taking the Monarchs. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Reno went there and and upset them. Mm. Right. And looking at Reno, they've only won three road games against playoff teams this year, and two of those are Portland. So, and they swept Portland in over three games. I think road-wise, they're not quite the same. They're still good. I mean, this is probably, like I said, the closest match of the first round to me. But I saw edge with the Monarchs on this one. Fair enough. Um, Mike, before we move to the East, um, if we had to make you pick a winner out of the Western Conference. Oh, that's dark. Um, I know. I know. Because I, I don't work on, on principle, I don't do this. Because I know. There and you look back. The most talented team in the West is Phoenix. Whether they win it or not, I don't know. But I think they're the most talented team. Fair enough. And oftentimes talent wins out. That's all I needed. See, it wasn't that hard. Yeah. You got there. I heard I, my heart burns. <laughs> my, my, I'm just. Uh. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make you do it if we all didn't put ourselves through it. So. Yeah, I, I just had That's... like someone, you know, like a Phoenix fan go like, "All right, everyone, pick your bracket." Oh, for like, sure. Make, yeah, yeah. Please don't make the, me do the this. The TFO tomorrow night's gonna be Phoenix Rising, Mike. Mike Watts, you know, Western Conference champion that was or something. One thing I'll say this year that like most impressed me was that being Mike Watts became a thing in the subreddit. Um, and I think it's because I shouted it out on ESPN, the subreddit, which like I totally did on purpose. But like, yeah, being Mike Watts says Phoenix is the most talented. There you go. <laughs> uh, moving on to the East, I'm not going to start with the 1v8 for reasons. Um, the two versus seven, however, is, uh, the fourth iteration of this year's Louisville, Indianapolis proximity association football contest, which is my favorite. I didn't know that was for like the first three games they played this year. It took me like till halftime in the second game to realize what the heck that was. There was a whole one before they played each other at the end of the season about how like Abraham Lincoln played for both teams or something and I I lost my mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For for people out there that 
didn't happen. Neither of these teams were actually around that long ago. Nor was any team in American soccer. That's Penn so. FC? Uh, no, this is their inaugural season. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This was their inaugural season. Oh, um, oh man, it's nice to... I'm going to keep moving on. Uh, yeah, second seed Louisville, seventh seed Indy 11. Uh, not only because there's that Cameron Lancaster gentleman who's decent uh, at soccer, but, you know, going in the slugger and trying to get points there has been uh, difficult for anybody. Um, this season, it's been uh, 1-0 Indiana win, 2-2 draw, 1-0 Louisville win. So 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the year. Um I'll just say it should be a pretty easy Louisville win. Not that I don't think Indy can give you fits and, and be physical and surprise some people, but uh, I just don't think anyone has an answer for Cam Cameron Lancaster right now. And like we saw in their what last match or two of the season, that's all that matters is if he scores. Yeah, Cameron Lancaster or, or has scored in the last three games for Louisville. I just see them as being such a strong team. In the playoffs, they've only lost three times at home this year. Granted, uh, that match against Toronto FC2 was an odd one, but the other two times was against Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. You know, basically, other really strong playoff teams. I just feel like you know, where they currently are, Louisville is in a good spot to not only beat Indy, but make a run at the Cup and try and get to their or basically fourth consecutive Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I think this is a pretty straightforward match. I think I've said it once or twice, and I hold to it. I think Indy might be the worst team in the playoffs. It's one of those where it's kind of subjective, but I just don't have faith in them that much to make a good run. They don't have any amazing results that I could really recall off the top of my head. They look sketchy at times. They're still a solid team, but they're not built to take down the top teams in the league. They're built to be an above average solid team who just can't break into that top tier and Louisville should easily take care of them. Yeah, I think um, what's most interesting about Indy is they could change formations pretty quickly against Louisville compared to what they did last week. This is another game where you're playing two weeks in a row. Um, Strykoff and Mitchell missed that game last week. Are you getting your center back and your center forward back? If you do, can you start Starikoff in the middle and move McInerney to the wing? And McInerney's got a history with Hackworth in Philadelphia. And uh -huh. um, it, it seems like that sort of felt its way out last week. Um, so there's a lot of question marks with Indy. I think Lowell should be pretty comfortable. Um, but um, especially in Louisville. Indy, I think, a little different. And, I know that's ironic for me to say um, <laughs> yeah. that, that it's like trickier on Indy Surf and Louisville's, but yeah, I think Louisville's through. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We have the team who plays on a baseball field versus the team who plays on an American football field playing soccer. You guys sell memes, get on it. <laughs> oh, I don't think he needs too much <laughs> too much prodding to, to do anything, but that'll be fine. Uh, 3v6, it's the uh, battle for Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh Riverhounds hosting the third seed uh, against Bethlehem Steel, the six. Um, Saturday, <laughs> I did it again. Louisville Indy 11, Saturday at 7.30. Bethlehem, Pittsburgh, uh, or Pittsburgh, Bethlehem, 7 o'clock Eastern start time. Uh, regular season matches, Pittsburgh won them both 2-1 to one, uh, in Bethlehem, 4-1 to one at Highmark. Um, they just put in those new supporters stands that go decently far away back. They're looking to fill that uh, stadium. They're pretty close from what I've heard. So um, should be a really cool atmosphere. Uh, Bethlehem looking to wipe a bad taste out of their mouth on two fronts. One in the, the last time they're in the playoffs, they got smacked four to one by Louisville. And then the last time they played Pittsburgh, they got smacked four to one at Highmark. So um, I know Steel have been there since Tuesday. Um, and, and I've already started training on that surface, which is a tricky one. Um, so anything can happen. I just really hope this isn't one of those dull one nil Bob Lilly at his, you know, inverted quotes, worst uh, kind of games. 
But it probably will be. Uh, I hope I not. Mean, this has Leaf All written all over it. Yeah. I, mean, really. I don't know what else to say about this game. It feels like it's going to be yeah, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. I was talking about it on Mongols last night. Like Both Pittsburgh and Charleston do this thing where, especially at home, they're very okay with, with waiting until you bring the game to them. Um, and waiting for you to make a mistake and then punishing you once you do that. So um, it doesn't matter for either of these teams, you know, if, when they score, um, as long as they do and you don't. So, um, you know, still, still really have to come out and use that youth and use the fact that they've only played four games and Pittsburgh have played six um, and try to get out on the front foot early and stay on it or else this is a, you know, pretty, you can see this being a comfortable one for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I can't see anyone beside Pittsburgh kind of winning this one. I feel like it'll be relatively comfortable overall. It wouldn't surprise me if they do that same kind of 2-1 scoreline from earlier in the season. But Pittsburgh advances to take on Louisville in the second round would be my pick. Yeah. Pittsburgh has uh, never lost at home when scoring this season. Can I just – I'm not sold. I'm That's not, fair. This is one where I, I'm actually willing to – to, to, this is a hill I might die on because they've lost two games in the last going back to the end of last year. And I know Lily wasn't around last year and a lot of these players weren't to New York Red Bulls too. high pressing style, mm. a lot of energy. And if we're talking about ringers, the team that can send you ringers, I don't think is it is um, like a Timbers two. I think it's Bethlehem. Like if they get Fabian Herbers down and I mean, He's if you start talking about right guys that, yeah, you know, two-way contracts, five-plus games. They have a ton of those guys. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen yeah, most of three-man roster yet. Most but. of the guys that are uh, – I've I got something before Mike Watson. Good Lord. Uh, most of the guys that are eligible are down. Yeah. Um, so. and, and the one guy that's not eligible is Corey Burke. Uh, not like he would be there anyway. Yeah. Um, given that, you know, he's lighting it up for the union right now. Um, and obviously as much as it might leave a bad taste in, in USL and, and rightfully so, um, you know, when it comes to who, you know, quote unquote needs that result more, whether it's the union playing Red Bull or steel against Pittsburgh, they're going to go, well, the first team needs that result. So we're going to put all of our effort or, or most of our, you know, tools in the getting that part done. Um, so, so, you know, is it going to be your whole host of ringers? Eh, not necessarily, but, you know, Fabian Herbers is down there. Fontana and Aronson are both down there. Um, so we'll see. You know, it's, it's going to be a weird blend. Obviously, you know, we don't know what kind of directive Brendan Burke has got from the first team in terms of minutes or anything. Um, and that's another thing that kind of impacts that. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. There could be a lot of first-team guys um in this side has it mattered you know at every game of the season no because you know um the usl's gotten a lot better and there's a, a, a less of a gap between mls contracted guys and usl guys which is great um but yeah i, I mean i agree you know you there could be some some interesting personnel decisions and, and we'll see when we get there um but I imagine it'll be a perfect 35 for 35 in different uh, starting 11s this year for Bethlehem. So, uh, Mike, I don't know if you if you saw and or heard that, but I will I will relay the information to you. 34 out of 34 games, different starting 11s. Yeah, uh, and that's not just compared to the right? Right. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna roll oh, the clock back like all time, Bethlehem have played, which is a nice even number, exactly hundred games, ninety-eight different starting elevens. Yeah, and look, Brendan Burke is an exceptional coach. I think he's really well respected within the organization in Philly. I've spoken to him probably ten or fifteen times this year through through the through the season. Mm-hmm. And the thing that stands out to me is like, is there a little frustration there? Like, yeah. I think his biggest frustration is is getting a guy twenty hours before a game mm-hmm. it doesn't get used on saturday if not we'll right. send them sunday morning mm. and, and so they've got different triggers for pressure and 
that's really difficult for them. And I think he's managed that really well. If they're already in Pittsburgh training on Tuesday, he knows who he's got. And I think the one that stands out to me is he goes in Bethlehem, we empty the tank because we've got 50 guys who can play. So let's empty the tank and go for it against Pittsburgh. That's the kind of thing that could be the difference between, you know, getting through against them or not. Yeah. And I I don't know if he said it, said it to you, but he mentioned it. Um, post game against Tampa um everyone in the organization gets it now yeah you know like a a guy like um Matt Real for example hadn't played a whole lot for Bethlehem this year came down played against Tampa put in a a hell of a shift for 90 minutes you know and Fabian Herbers literally out of nowhere wins like every aerial ball for no good reason you know and it was one of those things where I was surprised by it um so, you know, it, it's it's really interesting if you go back and watch highlights or a, a game from, you know, 2016 Bethlehem. And granted, there's been massive changeover in roster. But uh, watching those guys play two years ago to now is, is night and day about, which is really cool to see. Anyway, not to get hung up on that. Uh, the four and the five in the East, Charleston Battery versus New York Red Bulls too. Pony, let me try this again. You're worried about this one. Why are you concerned about Charleston? Because Charleston can't play against New York. It's it's stunning. These teams have played nine times since they've both been in the league. Charleston has won one game. And that was back in that was that's been years ago. Even Charleston with their great defense, they have never shut New York out. We see Charleston's great this year they've allowed nine goals to New York. Nine. I. This is a team who allows one goal a game, and in two games they give it up nine goals. I don't get it. I don't know if New York has their number. I don't know if Charleston just can't live up to them or doesn't match up well. But this is a game where we're looking to go, despite the better defensive team, and people know I like defense. I think defense wins the USL more than not. But this game, everything historically – points to New York. They've won four games, drawn four, and Charleston's won one all time. I don't think Charleston wins their second here. The best case is Charleston manages to maybe take it to penalties and gets lucky, or there's a red card early for New York or some random fluke, but you can't give up nine goals to the same team and say, I'm the best defense, I'm going to beat you again on defense. Charleston needs to either beat them in a high-scoring game, which they probably can't do or they need some interference or good ref call in their favor or something. This is just one of those games where, yeah, Charleston is probably the better team against anybody else they could have played, but New York and New York just has their number. It's confusing and I don't get it, but I think New York walks through this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, inclined to agree with that. I think uh, Charleston is the one team in the first round that should be the most on upset or for all the reasons that Pony stated, that you just can't give up nine goals to a single team in the playoffs and expect to perform well against them. They lost 4-0 to you know, New York last year at home, and I can't see something like that being easily erased. We saw their match earlier in the season against New York, and everything just points to the Red Bulls being able to advance. I mean, that 4-4 draw was absolutely insane when they hosted it at Blackbaud. So it would have to be another high-scoring match like that for Charleston to have a good shot at advancing. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think uh, Red Bull 2 are the um, matchup equivalent for Mike Anhauser of a cheat day. Where you're like you're really good all the time against everybody else, and then Red Bull Two comes around, and you're like, "Nah, we're gonna give up some goals today." Um, it's it's a quarter of the goals Charleston allowed all season were against see? New York. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't play three games. This is not the fourth. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Proximity Association football contest. It's not. No, <laughs> luckily for Charleston, it's not. Uh, it's not a three time a year event. Uh, um. Yeah, the only thing that I can see Charleston having here, I mean, 
I hate underselling Charleston because we thought they were going to be so much worse than they ended up being. Um, but uh, I, I think if like Sventessen and Guerra can can frustrate Indom or, or kind of fluster the the relative youth of the Red Bulls, that could be beneficial for them. Um, but if they just try to get into a shootout or, or anything like that, you know, um, and like I said a little bit earlier, Charleston really need to sit back and let Red Bull come to them and hope that they can counter on that press because Red Bull, when they lose, that's how they lose. And that's not just a two thing. That's a first team thing. That's a you know Leipzig thing. That's when that high press that they do doesn't work, they get, they get open wide, you know, for that counter. Um, and that could be their downfall here. I don't think Charleston are super built to do that, but it's not out of the realm of possibility at the same time. Yeah, and, and may I suggest that 4-4 draw, Charleston led it home 3-0 at halftime. Yeah. Turning point was the red card, and then they play the last half hour down a man, and playing through a press when you're down a player, mm-hmm. and, and with it being Ta Nunga, a guy that, that's pretty significant to how they play, right. You know that that's pretty brutal for for Mike Anhauser to have a three nothing lead and then watch it evaporate, then take a four three lead after it's been tied, and then mm-hmm. blow that in the last three minutes. I, I I'm not so far down on on Charleston to be honest. I think they're more built for it than they were in years past. Even though mm-hmm. Romario Williams isn't around, like I think they're actually um, better prepared for New. Um, all that said. Red Bull keep winning in the postseason for a reason. Um, they, they they scare the living crap out of you with, with that press and then mm. make two takes carry the day, and they could absolutely do that. The, I think this is the game that's most, like, the, the one that's, like, best to watch in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I could see St. Charleston's the biggest surprise team of the season for doing good. I could even see Anheuser as the coach of the year, given that no one thought this team would be any good right. in the massive roster turnover, but they only won four of their last 13 games. And none of those were against really strong sides. And given the history, I don't think they could afford to get in a shootout. And they're playing the team who wants to get in a shootout. So they need a good defensive showing. Or I mean, if they could keep like the total goal scored to three or less, I think they probably could get through. But Let's be honest. They've there's been there's been 15 goals scored in two games between these two teams already. Yeah. If you if you weirdly like offense that you shouldn't expect, tune into this one. I mean, if you're looking at other Charleston results, they had two really odd losses against Toronto FC two in September and Atlanta United two in October, both of which they scored the opening goal only to give up two goals in the loss. If you well, go back for, yeah, even further, go further. It's insane. <laughs> if you go back further. I mean, those are the only losses of their six this year that they he kind of gave up um, that they scored first and then gave up goals because the rest I believe were all shutouts or they just scored an inconsequential goal like that five, two loss. They're already down three nil when they scored their first goal. But if you go to their, like their match against Charlotte, Back in September, they scored the opening goal, and Charlotte came back and scored in the second half. If you go back to their match against Louisville in August, they scored the opening goal, Louisville tied it. They scored the second goal, Louisville tied it again. And so it seems like this is a team that will have a problem maintaining a lead. Yeah. And then the uh, the one versus eight, the big one, you're reigning and defending regular season champions. Um the best USL team of all time to this point, if not probably for a while. Uh, the one seed FC Cincinnati at home at Nippert playing the eighth seed Nashville SC. Um, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. The fun thing here, um, nil-nil draw early on, 1-1 draw, 3-3 draw. So they've played each other three times. No one's wanted to win. Um and and Mike, I, I think I saw Gary Smith said that he likes this matchup. Yeah, Which, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, I'm not 
I'm not surprised to hear either, but I, I don't, I, I mean, I get why he likes it and I think they've done well. Um, but man, it's going to come down to them needing two goals at least. At least. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I think, um, Cincinnati one through 11 has more quality than yeah. anybody ever. And I, I don't think that's really arguable. Um, I think they did it the right way. Um, I think Allen coaches a, a really good style. Devin Kerr said this on Sirius XM on Tuesday on Jason Davis's show and got torched, but I don't disagree. With um, <laughs> they're not warm. And, and and I know it's 23 unbeaten. I totally get it. And I get yep. the winning streak just ended and it's a couple of draws. That's not the point. Um, this is not the best I've seen them. Um, mm. And can that come back and bite them when you're playing four playoff teams? Oh, yeah. Do I think it will? I, I don't know about that. Um, let's not forget that Louisville beat them at Nipper twice in the first three months of the season. So there right. there is – this isn't like some totally unquenchable thirst, some monster that's never been slain. Um, I don't think Nashville's got the horses for this game. Um, I think there are going to be matchups down the line, whether it be Pittsburgh or Louisville especially, they're going to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. I think Red Bull, if they – Charleston is a better outcome too um, yeah. for, for fans. Yeah. Yeah, no, those those are all really good good points. Uh, I I yeah the the and I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel like Nashville isn't gonna have a whole lot to respond to, you know, Ledesma and Adi. Like those two guys alone, I think could really be a handful for anybody. Um, and and they've proven that and. You know, God forbid, next year in MLS, if those guys really get a good understanding of each other, because they're going to be, if nothing else, really fun to watch. Um, yeah, and and you know, if this was one of those things where Nashville, even in the last two months, was like really consistently scoring, you know, multiple goals and not choking away a two nil lead to Toronto FC two or whatever, like then I'd, I'd be a little more confident. Um, and it's not that I don't understand where Gary Smith is coming when he says he likes the matchup and, and you know, don't you have to say that you do. And, and I mean, but at the same time, like for, from his standpoint, I'm hard pressed to find a team who's done better than, you know, three draws this season, obviously since he, he's lost, yeah. but I mean, Louisville, that. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's a team there next to next to Cincy in terms of you know kind of payroll and then and then their consistency on the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I for as much as we like to give out and you know say, oh well, they got to win one game in the playoffs and then you know we'll take them seriously. This is definitely the most winnable matchup they've had, I think. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati enters the postseason having the highest ELO rating of any team in the regular season at a 1203, just barely edging that New York Red Bulls team from 2016 at 1202. I know Granite Pony said earlier that relies heavily on at least blowouts, and there are faults to the ELO rating system. The Cincinnati team still has a tiny bit ways to go before they can surpass that 2016 team for the Red Bulls to be the greatest team of all time. But I just think that Nashville will just they may be able to give them a game with the draws, but they don't have basically the same depth that it can match Cincinnati considering that Nashville's most goals they scored in a victory over a current playoff team was a 2-0 win over Louisville, and that was it. And I just feel like they need to be able to score against this, and at most I see them getting maybe one goal, and if they get two, Cincinnati's just going to outscore them. Yeah. If if Matt Pickens um, has a good game, if you know, I think there's a lot of ifs. Yeah, involved. And there's a lot of questions that, that that Nashville can pose that a lot of teams can't. So, I ironically, 
and I'm not I'm not lying. Uh, Pony's router just restarted on him. So uh, everybody's safe. There just kidding. Go. Oh man, and everyone's gonna think that was a bit, but it's YouTube live stream back, and you'll see that he actually drops out and comes back on. Pony, good news. Um, I was gonna like move on and, and end the show without letting you get your rant or whatever on Cincy, but now it looks like we're in luck, and that can happen. I guess I can ready to get Comcast too because. Yeah, that happens at times for me. But yeah, that's great. <laughs> look, I, the thing is, I don't know what was said at all, so I'm going to come in here blind. But that's fine. I, I mean, do you really need he, our input? I think since he does win this match, I think it's just the absolute worst matchup for them. Where if I had to call out of any one of these fifth or eighth seeds or who beat Cincy, it's Nashville. I know people say, oh, there's weird calls or the turf is bad but three straight draws is not bad luck or some weird circumstances it's a sign of a team that doesn't that you match up maybe not perfectly against like i said since any since he should win this game maybe 65 35 type one to advance but nashville is a very solid team i was extremely high on nashville before the season even started and if they're scoring now and they have been able to score in this last month, that is terrifying because they're still the second-best defense in the league. So that's my kind of fear is they turn it around and they turn into a team that can give Cincy a run for their money. Cincy should still win. The talent is there. The Especially the attacking power is there. If Cincy scores three goals again, I don't think Nashville wins. But if Nashville scores three goals again, I don't think Cincy wins. It's one of those where both teams have proven they could beat the other team, and now it's a matter of who shows up this week. This is one of those any given weeks. I think this is just the game that Nash that since he did not want to see. I think since he destroys Indy, they destroy New York. They should beat Bethlehem, and I think if since he wins this game, their chances of advancing against the winner of Charleston and New York. It's actually better than their chances of advancing against Nashville. I think you could say Nashville is the fourth best team in the East. But since he wins, it's Can close, I, but since he wins. I just posted this um, Sunday. Nashville hasn't beaten a playoff team since, is it May? I mean, that's a long time. I mean, that, that's all I'm saying. Like, can they win? Like, yeah. of course they can, but will they? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they've lost to one since last. Yeah, they've lost to Bethlehem, Indy, and Pittsburgh May 30th. Uh, only half the field. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Mike, I'm going to make you do it again. East? Yep. No. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'll be in Nippert November eighth. Okay. I think I'll be at Nippert Stadium for the final November eighth. ESPN two, ESPN International. The Watch ESPN app. I, I can do this for days. This is a hell of a plug. I'm Thank sure you, you will. <laughs> I, I imagine that there will be times in your in your playoff broadcast this season where that will come up. Um, I might even fancy a guess that that'll be uncoincidentally, but, uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's just, you know, good, good marketing. Uh, Mike, people know where to find us on Twitter. Um, I will start by saying thank you for letting us bother you, um, again, and also like late at night. Um, but yeah, I know we, we really appreciate you being on, um, People know where they can hear you, but I, I, I hope people know where they can find you on Twitter. But if they can't, why not show yourself on, on that and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, at Mike Watts on air. Um, and uh, don't don't be a stranger. Uh, I, I, uh, I enjoy this show. I enjoy many shows. Um, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me on it. Uh, unmasking the, this masked horse pony. Uh, yeah, how about that, right? He's a real human being. 
<laughs> you know, I just imagine the family guy thing, like, you know, yeah. horses are terrible people yeah. kind of deal. So, like, I, this is blowing my mind. I love this. This has been great. There you go. <laughs> Mike, we uh, we seriously appreciate it. We, um, in a in a league where a lot of the media members are fake journalists who have day jobs, it is always very nice to talk to a real journalist. <laughs> Whose day job is doing uh, that? that um, is and big, and you're a big stretch. That's a huge stretch. Real journalism. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a it's a stretch because no one knows what that means anymore. But I feel like that's a conversation for a different time. Uh, thank you guys for for joining us live. If you did, thank you for downloading, listening to the episode. If you did, uh, I'll say it again. I said it on Monday. Um, if anyone has listened to this at any point in time that's crazy we just passed 1400 uh, uh, followers on twitter which is insane that that many of you care um about this and, and appreciate it and we would not continue to do this uh if we just talked to our week so uh we really do appreciate it thanks for listening hope you enjoy the playoffs obviously go uh go watch all those games that'll be a good time mike will be there for most of those until next time, I don't know what we're going to do in terms of shows for the playoffs, but we'll figure that out and we'll keep you guys posted. But uh, until then, don't be a dick, and we'll talk to you guys soon.